Welcome back to In the Queue Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Phil. And it is to be expected that a film that revels in ultraviolence would have a clockwork <laughs> orange homage. Did you notice it? I'm not sure I did. Near the end of the film, like the climactic scene when, when Henry is assaulted by all those guys with the white shirts and pants and black boots, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. their outfit is, is really basically you just... You felt like it was yeah. the Droog outfit basically yeah i could see that i didn't i didn't read it that way but i could i can understand where you're coming from mm-hmm. uh i am andrew i am your other co-host and i think that now that we have uh completed the experiment that is doing an entire film in first person i think we can abandon it for the rest <laughs> of time <laughs> wait a second this this isn't the first one though no, no, I know. It yeah, isn't, there's actually I, one. Just... I think in the 1940s there was a movie called The Lady in the Lake. Uh, oh yeah, that, yeah, that was yeah. that was first person. Um, that film is probably better than Hardcore Henry. Well, at the very least, that would have been on tripods and dollies. I'm, I feel quite certain. Yeah. Uh, whereas this film is, I, I guess I would guess filmed entirely with GoPro cameras. Uh, I can't see how else they could have done this film. Right. But uh, and especially the fact that everything is that super wide angle, you know, mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, it, I think it had to be GoPro. Anyway, some sort of technology of the sort, definitely. Um, so uh, this is our show about Hardcore Henry, uh, the new action adventure sci-fi film, as it's called on IMDb. Uh, before we get into the discussion, though, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog at www.in-the-q, that's the letter q.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On, our, on our blog, all of our shows are posted. You can leave comments for us. You can read the capsule reviews of every film that we reviewed. Um, we also have a Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In the Q, Q-U-E-U-E is how that's spelled. On our Facebook page, all of our episodes are posted, and there are also videos and other things we post to kind of supplement the discussion that we happen to be having for that particular film. Mm-hmm. Also on our Facebook page, you can leave us comments or listener requests for movies you would like us to review. And when you do that, we're going to contact you. And we would love to have you come on to the show with us via Skype call and participate in the review of the movie of your choice. Yes, indeed. And so please um, give us your listener request and we'd be happy to, to bring you on in the queue. We also have a Twitter. It is ITQ Podcast, all one word. At ITQ Podcast. Uh, so please follow us on Twitter. We'll follow you back. And lastly, we have an iTunes account. Uh, just search iTunes for In The Queue. Q-U-E-U-E is how that's spelled. And all of our shows are available for download dating back from the very beginning and dating up to the present moment. So please subscribe to us on iTunes. Indeed. Yeah. Um, so this film, Hardcore Henry, uh, it's a first-person action film, um, and yep. it's, it, as Andrew said, it's not on a tripod. It's not the traditional Hollywood style of filmmaking from the golden age. Uh, this is most likely uh, a, a camera mounted on an actor's head, and all we see, except for two key uh, shots that give you the backstory, or at least try to give you the backstory of the main character... Uh, everything is from this perspective of this one dude that the camera is mounted on. Um, 
And in this film, Henry is a kind of like a cyborg type mm-hmm. melding of robot and human who is who is basically activated. And uh, he he's his mission is to uh, track down this villainous supervillain named Akan, who is uh, basically responsible for um, the death of his wife. And and Henry basically has to find out what his identity is, find out what what his purpose has you know has been all along. At the same time, he is met at various stages in his journey by this British guy named Jimmy, uh, played by Charlotte Copley, who mm-hmm. is very manic in this film, very irreverent, uh, doing a lot of his performance reminded me of Matt Damon in The Martian because. Uh, he has Ooh. he has to keep talking to the camera, and he never engages in any dialogue situations. He's just kind of cracking wise to the camera, and that camera sure. is, as I'll, I'll just reiterate, that camera is us, the viewers, as well as Henry, the quote unquote main character. Yes. Um, yeah. And so it's basically an excuse to make a video game that you can't control, um, <laughs> and I think that when you when you create a, a first person shooting game. That you, and then you eliminate your ability to control what happens. You're basically just watching somebody else play a video game. And I found it to be boring. Um, a lot <laughs> of the action in this movie is unclear. And the camera... To say the least. Jesus Christ. The camera misses a lot of the key action. And I feel like to be able to make this film where you're using a GoPro mounted on somebody's head and you're doing very long takes with very elaborate action going on, you would have to be a perfectionist to the nth degree. And you would probably go insane trying to make this film and try to make everything look coherent. Because so much of the story is just chaos. And it's it's not fun. Some people might find it to be fun because... They think, oh, oh, dude, that guy just got killed. Well, you can infer when people get killed, but you can't always see what's happening. But you can kind of make an assumption. Oh, that person probably got killed or that person probably got yeah. wasted. Uh, but it's really inferior. And it's an inferior film when compared with video games, too, because with at least when you have a video game, you can build suspense. There's no suspense in this movie. No, it's just the pacing is is out of control. Um, Unrelenting. Yeah, it's it's just... It's really um, a, a bad film, I would go ahead and say. And it's badly made, badly directed. Uh, yeah, I would say that this is the most aggressively stupid film that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is... I mean, I've seen some aggressively stupid films, and there are probably some, like bro friend comedies that probably outstupid this one uh pretty hard mm-hmm. but i mean jeez oh man the only saving grace as far as i'm concerned that this film has in any way whatsoever is charlotte copley yeah who i also thought was the best thing about elysium which was kind of a mess of a film mm-hmm. i think that he is he's a really unique and interesting actor in that he chooses almost exclusively terrible projects <laughs> To be really good in, <laughs> uh, which is which is quite a feat in and of itself. Uh, but 
yeah, I mean, this film is, it's, it is a mess. It's absolutely, uh, it's nauseating at times to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only in terms of the gore, which is rather considerable. Yeah. Uh, but also in terms of the, that this sort of GoPro aesthetic, right? When they're running and jumping and doing all this sort of like crazy parkour stuff, which is a lot of the film. Right. Uh, and when they're engaged in these action sequences, it gets just unreadable. It's unreadable action. It's unreadable mm. uh, filmmaking. I mean, you really can't ascertain exactly what's happening. And even though they try to do some pretty impressive stunts in here, and there are some impressive stunts, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't help but think about great kung fu movies for instance yeah and you you look at kung fu sort of filmmaking theory and you can read the words of people like Jackie Chan of course who are kung fu masters not only in terms of performing kung fu but also in terms of understanding the filmmaking side of it uh-huh. and it's usually an essential piece of that filmmaking that you put the camera in a place where the audience can make sense of the action, right? right? And you can watch the sort of uh, acrobatics of the Kung Fu performance unfolding in front of the camera, mm-hmm. right? But when you put, if you were to put the camera on Jackie Chan's chest as, as the camera seems to be in this film and then just let him fight a, a, a Kung Fu battle, it would be chaotic and unreadable. Yeah, and I think this part of our discussion is is referencing something we did on our last show uh, about Night of Cups, and that mm-hmm. is both of these films are experimental in some way. Yeah, um, yeah. And I feel like the only reason that Hardcore Henry, Henry was made the way it was made was because it was experimental and and different, and that's what you said in your opening line that that's now that it's been done, let's never do it again. Yeah. Um, and there's absolutely if they were thinking, I'm going to make a first person action film because it's going to be more exciting than a standard traditional method of filmmaking would be. Uh, they are sorely wrong and sorely mistaken about the potential of. Filmmaking, and I feel like this director, uh, whose name is um, Ilya Nashuler, um, who is uh, Russian, he's he he doesn't have a lot of credit to his name. I'm talking about cinematic credit. Um, yeah, he wrote he wrote part of the video game Payday too. Yeah, and I feel like if this guy, I mean, what is this guy's future going to be in the film industry? Uh, he can't keep making movies like this, and it takes much more skill to be able to shoot a scene and cover it in the accepted way, the more common mm-hmm. way. Uh, if he thinks that maybe that way of making a film is, is dead or boring, um, absolutely not. It's, it's just as alive as anything else. And it really does take a different frame of mind to be able to tell a story in that, in that sense. And I think that, uh, I mean, if this story had been made the way that I'm mentioning the traditional way, it would have been instantly forgotten because the story itself is totally forgettable. And so (laughs) really there's no reason. It's bad. There's absolutely no reason uh, other than to make money that this film should ever have been made. Well, yeah, and the unfortunate thing is that it does take some pretty interesting sort of science fiction 
concepts or tropes, and it puts them in an interesting setting. Uh, I mean, the the idea of somebody being resurrected or reborn or reconstructed in a robot form, mm-hmm. it's been done before, obviously. We know movies like RoboCop are, are predicated on that very conceit. Yeah. But, uh, so it's not it's not un, unusual uh, that, that, that it's been done, but it's also not a crime. You know, like there are plenty of good new directions you can go in and it sort of pokes in those directions. I think that the most interesting thing, not just in terms of performance in this film, but also in terms of just character is Charlotte Copley's character. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, you, you see him early in the film and he gets brutally and <laughs> very uncomfortably murdered. <laughs> And uh, and then you see him pop up, but he looks different. He's a different character, but he's the same character. Yeah, and you and it it, it sort of piques your interest a little bit. And then they keep and he keeps dying and then being reborn and then dying and then being reborn in in a number of different ways. And it's uh, and then when they finally get to the reveal of why it is that that's happening, I thought that was a really cool mm-hmm. science fiction concept. Like it was a really interesting idea. But then the film instead of playing with that or doing something interesting with that or making you know interesting science fiction out of it they just go the aggressively stupid route and just turn it into these non-stop action sequences that follow that are as we've said impossible to read and and don't seem to have any uh it doesn't seem to have any clarity was the word that i used i, I... yeah cl- clarity is a good word but also purpose mm-hmm you know, there doesn't seem to be any purpose other than like this guy, Aiken exists as the end boss in this video game of a movie and you, you have to fight him eventually. I mean, the, the, the final battle doesn't have any meaning to me. Yeah. Um, did they, did and, they ever and, establish has how Akon got his powers or, or anything? No, they don't even, they don't talk about it at all. Yeah. As, as, as far as I remember, nothing. He's just a guy who has, uh, telekinetic powers and lives in a blimp in the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, I... <laughs> that's why it just seems like a video game to me—a video game that you can't control because there's no, yeah, there's no. It doesn't follow the conventions of a film. It doesn't follow the dramatic conventions. Yeah, and and video games are notorious for having terrible stories. Uh, you know, generally speaking, you're not there for the story; you're there for the experience, right? Right. And. Uh, and it's it's rare that a, a video game will have a great story or or better yet a great ending mm-hmm. to the story. Um, it's something that that happens very rarely, and I relish it when it happens in the games that I play. But uh, transposing that <laughs> lack of story into a cinematic context makes for an uncompelling film. Yeah, because because it it does have the depth of a video game, but that's not a positive thing. That's a negative. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting to sort of think about like why some people get so jazzed over this device that he uses. And I admit I was kind of looking forward to seeing this film because in the trailer for Hardcore Henry, they show you the some of the best moments of the film where the the conceit of the GoPro camera really works. And, yeah, and actually, yeah. I, I kind of got think, to thinking, well, this is not the kind of film that I would ever see on on my own. But maybe this will be something good to watch for the podcast. Uh, but it's just, it's just really sloppy, um, and and yeah. it, it, it's almost like for it to work, it has to be technically perfect. 
And I mean, even like if you look yeah. at video games themselves, those those are not documentaries. Okay, those aren't like <laughs> it's not like somebody staged a scene and then filmed it and then digitized it for video. Those are all animated so that they can be completely controlled from start to finish and gotten to be tactically perfect. And this film, well, is kind of like, well, you tried, uh, but it's a failure in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how I feel. I, and I was kind of surprised at, at Tim Roth's, sort of appearance <laughs> in this film which is so minimal and yet he gets like second billing yeah, uh, he really yeah. he's, he has like like two lines of dialogue um, and he it's just a it's a weird thing in in one of the strangest accents that's almost impossible to pin down exactly um, but yeah I think this one's a turkey I, I don't recommend it to anybody um, and if you think you're gonna like it I'll just go ahead and say you probably won't uh, just because <laughs> it's uh, it fails on every level except for the Charlotte Copley level. Um, yeah, yeah, which is interesting in and of itself, but not it, it can't sustain a movie certainly by any stretch of the imagination. Right, and and I think that 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 sort of excitement that you got watching the trailer, uh, I also got watching the trailer, but immediately thought to myself, how on earth are they going to be able, able to sustain this for an entire film mm-hmm. that's i can't i cannot imagine <laughs> yeah and i also feel kind of cheated a little bit because when i think back there's one there's a foot race that happens in the film in like the middle part of the film and it actually goes on top of a bridge and uh i i personally believe and you may disagree with me but i personally believe that the most exciting thing that you can show in a film is a, a chase on foot. I, whenever I oh, yeah. see somebody chasing somebody else on foot, to me, it's always the most engaging uh, and captivating type of, of oh, yeah. uh, scene you can do. Um, it's one of the reasons Collateral is such a, an interesting and fun and terrifying film. Do you remember that movie we watched in film school called Dollars with Warren Beatty? There's oh, yeah, like a 40-minute yeah, like yeah. chase on foot in that film. It's yeah, so yeah. good. And when I was watching Hardcore Henry, I was like, whoa, whoa, he's chasing that guy on that bridge and they're really running and there's there's like nothing else going on. <laughs> so it's easy to concentrate on what's happening and get excited about it. But then yeah. I know that there were like 1800 CGI shots in this movie that I later learned. So now I can't even <laughs> appreciate I can't even be sure if what I saw was actually real or not because of all the trickery that was in this film. I'm going to guess not. I mean, I, I think I think every time somebody got shot in this film, all of the blood and the gore was CG. I think that any time there were any tr- transitional elements that seemed like they were impossible. For instance, in the, in the trailer that we're talking about, there's this road chase where they're driving in a, um, I guess it's a, a, a motorcycle, and they drive through the back of a car and out the front of it. And then mm-hmm. he throws a grenade inside of a, a, a van and it explodes and he flies up in the air and he lands on the back of a motorcycle. And it's it's like the it's like the kind of like teenage boy kind of mm-hmm. uh like, oh man, that's so cool kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh which I admittedly, when executed properly, I love that <laughs> kind of stuff. I'm not I'm I'm not too, you know, proud to say that. Uh but but to to have to make those transitions mm-hmm. 
there has to be CG yes. making it happen. And so what ends up happening is that it, as cool as it seems, it also doesn't flow. It doesn't seem natural. Well, the way that it flows, I, it's I th- it's weird. I think the the younger folks, younger than us, don't see sort of the the strings, the puppet strings, the way we do. Um, Maybe I think that it also has to do with the fact that you know we grew up watching movies that were you know based on film, and when digital movies yeah, started yeah. to happen, when I first started to see digital films in the late '90s, I thought it looked like shit. And, Time code two thousand. Yeah, that was a groundbreaking movie um and and you know i feel like our way of seeing to put it that way is getting lost and you know people nowadays are growing up with other influences and these influences are not based in film they're they're entirely fabricated and and digital and animated and based in video games and uh i think that uh if anybody who thinks Hardcore Henry is awesome is probably, like you say, a teenage boy. Um, <laughs> and really, I don't know. I don't have much hope for uh, for people like that. <laughs> if that if this is if this is considered to be awesome, then I feel like the the way of telling a story that we kind of we were weaned on is is dying and being replaced by something that's more kind of cold and uh, and fake. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a possibility. I mean, there's certainly a lot of coldness and fakeness in this film. Yeah. Um but, you know, it gives there's some hope out there. I mean, uh the meta score for this film is at 51 out of 100, which is pretty miserable uh metacritic rating. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least the critics hate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the IMDb u- users seem to like it a lot more, but it, I think that probably only goes to show that, that IMDb users tend to skew male and bro, bro friendly. Right. There's a, there's an article that somebody wrote recently about how the IMDb top 250 are, are skewed like heavily, like y- young male demographic kind of movies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you look at the so, if you look at the the breakdown of Hardcore Henry, uh, you've got <laughs> four thousand two hundred sixty three male votes and three hundred fifty one female votes. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the way that it's skewed is that um, <laughs> males under age eighteen give the movie a seven point nine. On average, <laughs> and uh, if you go up to eighteen to twenty nine, they it goes down to seven point three, but that's still pretty high. And uh, so it's it, it's not it's not hardcore, man. It's just kind of <laughs> an experiment, and it'll probably be forgotten pretty quickly. I'm thinking. Yeah, I hope I actually, so. Actually, I, mean... I yeah, I I was just gonna say I had a kind of an unfortunate experience in the sense that I had to pay extra to see this film. Oh no. And that is because I went to the theater and I was like, all right, I'm going to go see hardcore Henry. And I said, I'll take one for the three ten show. And they said, okay, um, that's going to be in our VIP lounge. And I was like, well, 
And she said, yeah, and it's going to be an extra $3 uh, for your ticket. And I was like, $3? Is there any way to see it not in the VIP lounge? And she's like, well, there's another show, but it wasn't like an hour and a half later. So I go into this theater, the screening room, and the only thing about it that's different from a regular theater is that it's got recliners instead of seats. Now, maybe if I was going to watch like a really long movie, you know, like Shoah or something like that, uh, <laughs> or I'm going to be like spending hours and hours and hours in one place, I would a recliner might be kind of nice. But for just watching an, a, a hardcore Henry for an hour and a half, I really was just fine with regular, regular seating arrangements. Uh, but oh, yeah. but I didn't want to have to wait another hour to see it, so I ponied up the extra three dollars. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I I think that they're slowly migrating a lot of theaters over to that that recliner seating because yeah. I know that a lot of the a lot of the places here in New York have started to move over to that, and they no longer charge a premium for it. They used to charge quite a premium for it, but I think now a lot of them just charge normal ticket price. Right. Yeah. But I actually. I was able to uh, write off $130 worth of 2015 movie stubs that I for tickets that I purchased for this podcast. And I don't know oh, who wow. this, but I, you, you can write off those expenses as a hobby. <laughs> I didn't know that. I couldn't write it off as a as a you know like a profession business expense, right? Because because yeah. we don't we don't get paid to do this show, people. This is all volunteer time. <laughs> but I wrote it off as a hobby, and I was able to get some. Some mileage out of that. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, all right. Yeah, I guess that's our show about Hardcore Henry. Um, we didn't like we, it. We don't like it at all. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> not a good film, I think, in any way, except for Charlotte Copley's performance. Let's hope that we see him in a great film that matches his great talents later on down the road. Yeah, I really hope so, because I actually do enjoy watching him very much. Mm-hmm. I just. He just somehow winds up in all these not very good movies. This is only the second movie that I've seen him in after uh, Maleficent. Oh, man. Elysium was... I mean, he was great in District 9, which was what made him, Mm -hmm. you know, as an actor. But he's been in, like, the the remake of Old Boy, which was no good. Oh, yikes. He was in uh, Chappie, which was no good. (laughs) I am Chappie. Yeah, I am Chappie. I am Consciousness. Uh, you know, he's, he's just been, he was in that, he was in the A-Team movie. Like, it's a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. Well, maybe this will be his, uh, streetcar named Desire and he'll become a huge star. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> right. Stay tuned, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for our next episode, which is going to be a listener's choice film. We're going to talk about Atonement with our returning champion, Katie. So stay tuned for that one. We'll see you then.